Today is a, uh, well, every Sunday is a special day, right? You know, I text my uh, spiritual mom every Sunday morning and I say, uh, good morning, of course. I call you blessed and then in caps I go, it's Sunday, yeehaw! Because it's like the day, man, I'm looking forward to all the time. This morning I'd like to deliver a message to you. We're going to have a baby dedication in the midst of the message. And so we'll be doing that here in just a few minutes. The title of today's message is The Greatest Battle, The Greatest Battle. And I want to say this to you, if I could say my whole message in one sentence, it would be the greatest battle that we face is the battle for our children. Would you turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 127, please? The greatest battle we face is the battle for our children. When you arrive at the destination of Psalm 127, just shout out, I love the word. Love word. All right, sounds like we're there. Verse 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Would you bow your heads with me for a minute? <clears throat> Father, I come to you this morning, I pray as your humble servant, to share your word, a word that you've inspired in my heart, Lord. And I ask now, Lord, for your anointing. Because I can have inspiration and I can be able to speak, but I cannot do it without your anointing. So I pray that you would anoint the ears of every hearer to hear the heart of every person to receive and the mind of every person to understand. Open us up, Lord God. Show us the battle that we have and how we can win it. Lord, I'll always be cautious and careful to give you all of the honor and the glory. In Jesus' holy name, can you say amen? amen? I know we have some kids that are in the room, and so I'll do my very best to keep this as uh, PG as possible. But if we took a look at our society and the things that are happening against children in society, it's hard to sugarcoat that. So uh, if you'll bear with me, I will appreciate it. Um, again, my, my message in one sentence, the greatest battle we face is the battle for our children. And let me just throw this in there. Well, my kids are all grown. I, I don't have kids anymore at home. Listen, you still have a role in protecting God's children across the country. Can I get a witness from somebody? Right now, the greatest battle isn't China. Right now, the greatest battle isn't the Ukraine. And much to your chagrin, the greatest battle is not Biden and Trump or any other conflict. The greatest battle that we face is for our children. And many of us have had our heads in the sand about this. And it is, uh, I feel, compelled and responsible to pull your head out of the sand and for us to rise up and to be a people that's willing to have an active voice as a church, to protect children. 
I sure wish I could get a more enthusiastic amen from this Holy Ghost Church. One of the top things that we will be held accountable for in this life is the stewardship of our children. You might say, well, I don't have children. There's children all around you. And the greatest thing that we could do is to do what we can to be good stewards of God's children. If we lose our children to this perverted, satanic, woke agenda, we're likely finished as a nation because we will have lost the next generation. We will have sat comfortably in our church chairs with our hands in our pockets and watch the next generation get lost to the enemy. And friends, as adults, as parents, we're responsible for the stewardship of future generations. Everyone, oh, that's the children's ministry job. No, no, that's the youth ministry job. No, 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 no. As believers, we have a responsibility toward the stewardship of future generations. Well, what about me? It ain't all about you. All right, get that, you know, get that in your heart. As Christians, you know, we're real good at going through the motions and saying all the right things and shouting amen, rah, 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 all the while doing nothing more than sitting in church. We're pretty good at that. We can see the depravity and the abuses that are being carried out against our children across the nation, in our state, in our local communities, and yes, sadly, even in homes. Sad deal. We can be shocked by it. We can even shake our heads in dismay, yet somehow never be truly motivated to do anything about it. And maybe sometimes it's not through lack of motivation. Maybe sometimes it's through lack of knowing an avenue whereby you can do something about it. Are you hearing me? So that is my, my plan and my goal today is to give you a means by which you can do something about it to be more than just someone who sits in the chair on Sunday and shouts amen, claps at the songs. I want us to be Christians that are motivated by love. I want us to be Christians that are motivated by concern. I want us to be Christians that are willing to take a stand. I want us to be Christians that are willing to have a clarion voice to speak the truth in love, <laughs> but nonetheless the truth, because the truth is a hard deal to face nowadays. In fact, a lot in the body of Christ don't even want to know about some of the things I'm going to share today, because then they can have their safe environment within the four walls and the confines of their church buildings. I've never quite been comfortable with that. And I've done my very best over the last 12 years to keep you all as uncomfortable as I possibly can. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? And you've heard me say this before, that the days of comfortable, easy Christianity are behind us. They're behind us. It's time to uh, come out of our hiding places. It's time to get into action. And for a lot of people, you know what the church is? It's a hiding place. It's a hiding place. And we cannot afford to sit by idly with our heads in the sand, just hoping that somehow that all the bad stuff that we see about in the news and all the things that we hear, just hoping somehow it will all change and it will all go away. Friends, if we do nothing, 
you can count on the fact that this, the decadence of our society is only going to multiply exponentially unless the children of God will begin to have the bravery to do something about it. And again, I'm not here to, to belittle you or call you cowards because I just said a moment ago that maybe part of the equation is that good Christian people want to do something about it but don't know what to do. And so I want to help you with that today. Can you say amen? You know, if we remain silent and inactive, we're going to lose a whole, another generation to the whims of this decadent society and culture. Here's the sad thing. Some Christians are almost okay with that as long as it doesn't upset their church experience. Just let me have my church experience and leave me alone. And then you see some horrible thing on the news and instead of letting it rip your heart apart, you change the channel so that it won't rip your heart apart. And our hearts need to be ripped apart. It's happening to me. And as your pastor, I'm bringing it to you. A couple of years ago on uh, Wednesday night Bible study, um, we, had, we, we talked about the last days and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of y'all remember that season that we did that? And I referred to a Bible passage out of the book of Genesis that says that judgment shall not come until sin has reached its full measure. That judgment would not come until sin has grown to full maturity. Remember when we said that statement many, many times. And at that time that I said that, I did not think that sin could grow any deeper or any greater than it had two years ago. I mean, I was, I was blown away by the blatancy of sin and, the, and the, the LGBTQ agenda and the commercials on TV and everything else that was happening. And I was like, how could this get any worse? Remember? And over the course of the last two years, we have all watched Satan work overtime to have his heyday. I mean, I couldn't fathom how sin and wickedness could find a fuller measure in America. We see every day and hear every day about the debauchery and depravity, the sin that is openly and blatantly infiltrating every part of society, every part of culture, and sadly and unfortunately infiltrating the church. We see it all the time. You would have to, you'd have to be uh, you know, a hermit out in the woods with off the grid completely to not know what I'm talking about today. We've experienced same-sex marriage, LGBTQ+, and even the audacity of some gay groups that will march through the streets. And parents, I hope you don't have to go home and explain things to your kids, but maybe you will. But they mar listen, they, they march through the streets and say, we're here, we're queer, and we're after your children. You don't believe me, go to YouTube and look it up, and you can actually see the Gay Pride March where they are chanting those very statements. They're not trying to do this secretly. They are blatantly, openly confessing and chanting in, in, in uh, parades, we're after your children. 
churches sit idly by, don't really do anything about it. We've seen the news reports about the reading of children's books in public libraries and in elementary school classrooms done by drag queens. We see and hear about the sexual indoctrination of elementary students, about the gender confusion, and believe it or not, even about the species confusion. That's right. If you identify as a cat, the school will set up a litter box for you. You, th you might think I'm joking. I am not joking. We've experienced the government separating kids from their parents by teaching them to hide and lie to mom and dad about the things that are going on in school, even making it illegal for schools and other places to inform parents that their kids are being coached toward a lifetime of hormonal drugs for gender transformation. The idea that somehow the government and society could make it illegal for parents to have a voice about their kids should make you angry enough to do something about it. And once again, I ask, how can America's wickedness find any fuller measure than it now has had two years later? And based on what I've seen in the last two years, I have to stand before you and go, I'm guessing it could go even deeper into hell than it already has. Unless the church will rise up and do something. I could go through... I won't have the time this morning, but I could go through a whole list of things that we as believers, from school, prayer, on up to the things that are happening today, that took place by and large because the church thought this will never happen. And if only, do you realize that the, the church, Christianity, evangelical Christianity, all forms of Christianity is the greatest voting block that there is in our nation? We have the strongest voice for change. But we sit idly by and just figure, oh, it could never happen. I remember when I saw the first com commercial of two guys kissing. I thought, oh my God, I never thought that would ever happen. Then you see it over again and over again and over again and over again. And your kids see it until eventually there's even an indoctrination of good Christian people. Subtle, seductive, which is exactly what we've been forewarned about the enemy, that he, is, he has seducing spirits, where you will be seduced into a situation, and next thing you know, you're marching with a banner. So we should be so mortified and appalled that we, can, we cannot sit any longer in the seats and just shout amen. Maybe a part of what needs to happen more than anything else is that we would become mortified and appalled by what we're seeing. I am. I'm, I'm ripped apart by this.
I got grandkids that are now, no offense, they're in public school. No control over, no control whatsoever over what they're being taught to, based on what we see. Sometimes all it takes is one Christian on the school board to make a difference. And certainly what it takes more than anything else is for good, regular Christian folks like yourself to do more than just sit in your four-inch cushion in church on Sunday. But to do something, to take a chance, to take a risk, to step out, to speak up. If we as Christians won't get out of our church seats and go into the public places to release God's authority... You can be sure that Satan and all of hell will do it in your place. Did you note that I just said, and release God's authority? I believe another problem in this scenario is that many Christians don't recognize the authority that they have as believers. Do you recognize and realize the authority that you have because you are a believer in Jesus Christ? I dare say many don't. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, the Lord himself, he came and he spoke to them, the disciples, saying, <coughs> excuse me, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. How much authority has been given to Christ? All, all authority has been given to Christ. And the next word after that sentence is a two-letter word. Starts with the letter G. What is it? Go! Not come and stay and sit. Go! Did you note that it's in direct conjunction to Jesus saying... All of heaven and all of authority that there is has been given to me, the Lord says. Now go. And then we can go to Luke 10, verse 19, where Jesus said, Behold, I give you the authority <coughs> to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Are you hearing me, beloved? <coughs> Excuse me. The enemy doesn't want me to get this message to you today. So Jesus made it very clear, very clear to his disciples <coughs> and all those who were listening. I, as master and savior of the world, the Lamb of God, have received from heaven's throne all authority. And then he says, go, and he's saying basically go in the authority that he has been given. But then he says, now I'm going to give you my authority. And not just some authority, because apparently we've been given all authority. Because it says he's given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Church, you have the power over the enemy. You've not been given believers' authority and believers' power to sit in church and be happy about your church experience. You should come to church hoping that your toes are stepped on. You should come to church hoping that you leave challenged to do something different in this life. I don't want to hear sugar-coated, mamby-pamby, tea-sipping, sissified preaching. I want to hear preaching that shakes me up. 
and rattles my cage and inspires me and lights a fire under me to do something. We can't just be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word or we are deceived. I'm passionate about this. So hear me, beloved. If we lose our children, everyone loses. And let me say this. If we lose our children because of our silence, if we lose our children because of our fear and our timidity, if we lose our children because of our laziness and complacency, we will stand guilty before a just and holy God for not doing what we must. We could stand guilty before God for just sitting in the church seat shouting amen and doing nothing about it. How can you say that, Pastor? James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. So I intend to leave you face to face today with the sin in your life or face to face today with the choice to begin to do something about it. It's been said that the only way for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Are you ready to stand with me and do something about it? Are you ready to join with me and do something about it? Are you ready to stand with me and do something about it? Excellent. In a few minutes, I'm going to show you how you can, how you can get active, and how you can start doing something about it. But for these next few minutes, I want to speak to all of you as parents, and especially those of you who are getting, going to dedicate some children today. I've chosen to do it a little differently than I normally do it in a service. Let's go back to Psalm 127 again. So turn your Bible, Psalm 127. And let's take a look at this passage of Scripture. This is some instruction to all of us. But specifically, it's an instruction to those parents who are going to be dedicating children today. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. I'm just going to read it again, same passage. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. What's in the gate? In the gate is a place of authority. In the gate is the place of uh, politics. In the gate is having a voice. Okay? It's not a garden gate. It's gates, doors. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Now, heritage comes from a Hebrew word, nachalah. And it translates a couple of different ways, but it translates as a gift. How I many know children are a gift? Till, till later and when they become teenagers. And then... Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You know my Tom Sawyer quote, right? Yeah, when you have kids, put them in a pickle barrel and drill a hole. 
And then when they turn teenagers, plug the hole. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All of you watching on YouTube, I'm just kidding. It's Tom Sawyer. No. Is that who? Not Tom Sawyer. Who's the author of Tom Sawyer? Mark Twain. Mark Twain said it. Tom Sawyer was somewhere going down the river. So. <laughs> um, a gift. Uh, it also, Nachalah, also translates to a blessing. And tr- children, of course, are a blessing all through life. An inheritance is another uh, transliteration of the word. A heritage, which we read. And then another interesting word that I want us to consider for a moment that still translates from this same Hebrew word is heirloom. Heirloom. You know, listen to this definition of heirloom. This is why I want us to consider this word. A family possession handed down from generation to generation. And I'm talking to us today about being a voice that does everything we can to make sure that we don't lose the next generation if it's not already lost. An heirloom, a family possession handed down from generation to generation. Now, hear the text again from the same perspective, okay? Children are an heirloom from the Lord, a family possession handed down from generation to generation. As Bible-believing, spirit-filled Christians, what are we going to do about this? Just have church? Have our good programs? Great music? I hope good preaching? Great team? Great, is that it? A great facility? Is, is that what it's all about? <coughs> Father, help me. Because the greatest battle we face is the battle for our children. I have grown children in their 30s, but I got grandchildren that I still intend to somehow have a voice of influence in their lives. To give them an example of what they can be in Christ. Let's look at verse 4 real quick. Verse 4 says an interesting statement. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. The children, and this should not be trivialized or forgotten, are the special blessing of the Lord. And this special blessing is, is given the example of being like arrows in the hands of godly parents. That's an important thought if you think about it. And so I want us to take a moment and I want to give you three points of similitude as it relates to your children being like arrows in your hand. First, arrows need to be carefully prepared. Now, I'm not an archer. I have gotten into shooting a bow. We did this up in West Branch. We did bows and Bibles was our men's ministry and we got together every now and again and went to an indoor range, and we shot bow and arrow. And I had never pulled back a compound bow in all my life. I was scared to death to pull it back. And I thought, sure, I was going to shoot myself or at least get a nice burn up the side of my arm or something, right? Well, one of these guys decided, forgive me, ladies, brought me a lady's bow. Figured I might be able to pull that back, right? 
And so we went to this, uh, this Tim, Brother Tim's the one that got me into this, and we went to a, a, a shooting range, and, and I was, I've always been a pretty good shot. I got, you know, expert marksman, I think, two different times in the military, and so they gave me a little tutorial, and I pulled that thing back, Whoa. I'm like, holy moly, holy moly, got it up here where I needed to go and hit the bullseye. Yeah. They're all like, you've never shot before? And I'm thinking, uh, no, and I don't think you ever will again. This was enough. I win. I win. <laughs> but not with a crooked arrow. Not with an arrow with the flutes out of tune. Huh? Not with an arrow with something in the head that's bent or not tuned upright. It's not going where you want it to go. So arrows, and did you know this? Arrows don't grow by themselves. Anybody got an arrow garden? <laughs> Cultivate that thing just right. Oh, yeah, there's a good... No! Where you get them from a tree or fiberglass or mold or something. But if we go old school from a tree, piece of wood, got to be true. Got to be true. And they are fashioned and formed in the hands of a craftsman with great thoughtfulness and with great care. Remember, I'm giving you the similitude of children as arrows in the hands of a parent. And arrows have to be carefully and thoughtfully created and molded. Why? Because arrow, here's, the, here's the second one. Arrows have to be aimed. Okay? Uh, and so I would ask, what's your aim for your children? How many parents uh, have a worthy, godly aim for their kids? Think about it, because here it is. Arrows go where they're sent. Arrows go where they're sent. And so if we look at the scripture, it says our children are like arrows in the hand of a parent. Then are you carefully constructing them and making them straight and true? The, fe the feathers on the is called the flutes, right? Is that called the flutes? Did I have that right? The feathers on the end. I don't know. I don't know nothing about it. I just know how to get, hit the bullseye and quit. <laughs> um, actually, I ended up going and buying my own bow and really enjoyed it for a long, long time. Uh, arrows go where they're sent. Number three, arrows are sent with power. And I have found by experience that it does take strength to pull back the bow and to steady that arrow on the string. To control the breathing. Every part of control and, and, and everything else that has to do with hitting the target. And this is the similitude I'm sharing with you. The archer pulls it back and pulls it back to its maximum length. Why? In order for the arrow to have the speed of maximum force necessary to do what it was created to do. It should be a careful endeavor to urge our children in the right way, to raise them up that they're straight and true, to aim them properly toward the path that, they, that God has destined for them in life. And in just a few moments when we dedicate these kids, one of the statements that I'm going to say is that may their journey in life intersect, their path in life intersect with God's destiny for them. That's what parents do. 
help steer their kids, aim them right, pull the bow back to full strength so that that arrow penetrates, reaches the target, and penetrates what it's supposed to penetrate. So it should be a very careful endeavor from us. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. So everything that I'm saying is, is fully mandated in the scriptures for us. Now I was reading a number of things along this line from Psalm 127 and a couple of different commentaries. And in the pulpit commentary, it said a couple of really profound statements that I want to share with you all this morning. And it was almost like a duh kind of thing. Wow, that was deep, but sure is true. The child does not come into the world with a ready-made stock of knowledge. Right? Baby, babies come into the world knowing really just a couple things. Mama, food, and poop. Right? Bless their hearts. So they don't come ready-made. Everything's all together. The child must learn truth and be made to see the right path, which is at first unknown to him or her. Second thing that I pulled from this commentary, the child needs not only to be taught, but to be trained. What is that? Teaching is when you sit down and tell them. Training is when you get up and show them. Come on, somebody. So it isn't just about teaching, sitting down and telling them. It's about getting up and giving an example of what it looks like. So you want your kids to read their Bible? Let them see you reading your Bible. You want your kids to pray? Let them see you praying. You want your kids to grow up loving their future spouse? Then love your spouse. You want your kids to grow up and have respect for their fellow, fellow man regardless of race or creed? Then have that same respect and honor yourself. You want to see your kids growing up loving the church? Then start loving the church. A child needs only, not only to be taught, but to be trained. He must be helped to do what is at first too much for his strength. His better nature must be drawn out, nourished, and confirmed. Here's number three. The young mind is pliable. Habit is not yet confirmed. It is easier to form a character than to reform a character. And boy, when you got them when they're little, you've got so many opportunities to straighten that arrow and to tune it right. Number four, young children are particularly open to religious impressions. Faith is natural to children. They cannot become theologians, but they may be citizens of the kingdom of heaven all at the same moment. Thoughts of God and Christ and the call to a better life can be well received by them. This is exactly why the opposite is true. This is exactly why they're after our children, because they're still being formed and fashioned. And if we as parents and as church folks don't step up to form and fashion them, the enemy will do so behind your back and take away from you your rights to do anything differently. 
I love number five. It really brought the most chuckle of humor to me. <clears throat> Children are open to temptation, and if not trained in goodness, they will be trained in evil. Some have thought that children should not be biased in their religious ideas, but left in freedom to choose for themselves. Well, that sounds good at the surface. But check this out. This is where I went, oh, that was clever. We don't do this in secular matters. Let me read the previous sentence. Some have thought that children should not be biased in their religious ideas, or let me say, influenced by their parents toward a particular Christian path, but left in freedom to choose for themselves. Now, here's the statement. We do not do this in secular matters, trusting them to choose their own methods of spelling, trusting them to choose their own methods of the multiplication table. No, we hold them to the line on those principles, and yet, well, they just find their own way to God. No, you're supposed to lead them to God. Amen? God will adjust them in the future on how he wants them, but until then, you direct them in the right path. And if that right path is what you believe, then you need to be indoctrinating your children toward what you believe. They'll come to an age of consent and an age of choice when they can make decisions about that, but give them the foundation that they need to make the right decision. Can you say amen? Parents have quit being parents and just decided to be best friends. Not the way it goes. Been preaching pretty good so far this morning. What time is it? 11.20. I'm there, Joni. <laughs> My brother Jonathan's got to go to work, so I'm going to take you guys first. We're gonna have, I'm going to do the child dedication right now. I wanted to have this exhortation to you parents. And also combine it with, remember I said, in a little bit, I'm going to show you a path whereby you can do something about the wickedness that's going on in society, right in our own backyard. This morning, we're going to have a wonderful ritual, a ceremony that has been performed for thousands of years. We're going to dedicate children to the Lord. Amen. Now, in actuality, and I say this every time, this ceremony isn't for the kids. I'm going I'm to put my hands on one little child. Just how old? How old's Olivia? A month. A month old. It's a fresh twig. Ain't even started being shaved into an arrow yet, huh? So this child's not going to have a clue about what we're going to do. Nothing. Except when the strange bald guy holds them. And, and she's going to go, I don't know who you are. Give me my mama. This is about the parents. This is about you parents that are making this decision to do this today and grandparents standing together to raise these children in the admonition of the Lord, in the nurture of the Lord, teaching them the principles of godly faith and of godly living. <clears throat> and everyone here today may not be from this church. You may be from another church. Uh, a, a denomination, if you will. And all denominations have a little bit of a different slant, if you will, on how they're carrying out their salvation and how they're walking out their religious experience. If you believe in your religious experience, then raise your kids on that path. 
we're going to dedicate children, which is a spiritual ceremony where parents covenant before friends and covenant before family and covenant at the altars of God before God to take charge in raising their children in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. All right, I don't know where Miss Corey's at or Diane, if you're going to help me, because I'm probably doing this all out of order now. That's okay. I can do that. Let me have one of those, honey. And then you're going to come help me, because I'm going to do it out of order. <laughs> all right, so first and foremost, I'm going to ask the Glenn family to come forward. Viola, Thaddeus, Hazel, drag your parents up here. Drag your parents up here. I'm going out of I'm going out of sequence here, Miss Corey. So, oh, we're gonna we're gonna another one. Okay, good, excellent. Praise the Lord. Don't let me forget that. Come on in here. Come on up, Grandma. Or oh, you want to get some pictures? That's cool. Awesome. Now, you all know the diff. You all can tell the difference. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> And you expect I'm going to remember that in 30 seconds. <laughs> what a family. I love how God does things. He takes our best laid plans. And then, I mean, what's the old phrase? You want to see God laugh, tell him your plans. Right? And you have two beautiful children that were here already. And then all of a sudden, the Lord sent you a, a triple surprise with triplets. And I can tell you, I can only imagine the additional multiplication of grace, patience, and strength that it takes to suddenly raise three more kids. And I also know this, that Nathaniel and Zeta have been champions in helping, yeah, in helping you. And so, who do I have here? Viola. Viola. Hazel. 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 Thaddeus, I'm going to forget again. I know it. Where's my anointing oil? All right. Do I get to hold them too? Oh, she said, if you want. I don't mean all three at the same. Hi, sweetie. Hi there. I'm going to put a little dab of oil on your. Boop. I'm going to go ahead and put a little dab of oil on your. Boop. Hey. Where's this kidding we go? I know. I'm, and who do I have here? I'm sorry. Hi, Viola. Yeah, I know. Daddy's right there. Who's that person over there? Your sweetie. In Jesus' name, may her life intersect with your plan for her, Lord. I speak health and the future that her parents hope for her to have. And we thank you in Jesus' name. We even step out and pray for the little boy somewhere about her age who will one day, 40 years from now, <laughs> be, her, be her husband, anointing in Jesus' name. And then, hi, sweetie, can you give me five? 
Hey, Hazel, come here. Come here, sweetheart. It'll be all right. You just look at the lady over here. It'll, uh, you don't look at the bald guy. Just look at the lady behind him. Hey, sweetie. Anointing on her life, Lord. Special calling. That's the word that just hit my heart. Somewhere there's a special calling, an unusual calling here. And Lord, I pray that the path that she has will intersect with your destiny for her. And that you'll help Jonathan and Alice guide her, prepare her as a straight arrow. In Jesus' name. Health. I know, I know. That's a little amen is what that is. There we go. Is this one going to work? Fedius, come here, buddy. I'm just going to take you. There you go. How you doing? Yeah, mommy and daddy are still here. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Health and healing, strength. May he grow up to be the best of three things. The best of mommy, the best of daddy, and the best of himself that you've created him to be. Thank you, Lord God, that his path will intersect with your destiny for him as well. And he will do great things. He's going to do great things. He's going to do great things. Greater than even you. I know it's cool. Isn't it cool? Want your daddy to get one? All the kids love the beard. So, Blessings, blessings, blessings. Now let me put my hands on you all. Get in here. You're all too. This is a unit right here. In Jesus' name, this family unit raises these three kids. Wow, oh, Lord, there's going to be life changers, world changers, preachers, special plans. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? amen. And so uh, we got some stuff here. You can help here. Yeah, this is Thaddeus. And then Mama has some roses. Awesome. Thank you. God bless you, dear. Be a beautiful. See you, Joni. Call you blessed. Who's next? Vivian and Gleason Shapen. Where are Vivian and Gleason? Vivian and Gleason, bring your parents up here. Yeah, grandparents, family reunion, whatever you got, <laughs> bring them here. Vivian and Gleason. Uh, she's already like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. I'm okay with Pastor Rick from a distance, but please. <laughs> it's okay, it's all right. It's okay. How about, how about, can I have a chair? Let me get a chair here. Somebody help me out. Lift the other one. We'll see if I can get in here. I'll do it this way. Okay? Yeah, since you are already in a comfort zone, right there. I don't blame you. Diet does it every week, so. What? You got a Bible? Yeah. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, there you go. Sit down. Yeah, that's cool. Perfect. All right, I'm just going to put a little dab of oil on your 
on your forehead. You want to smell it first? Yeah, just smell it. smells good, actually. Okay? So it's going to be okay. I'm just going to put a little dab right there. You want to smell it? Huh? It smells like perfume, don't it? Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Gleason and Vivian. Vivian. Thank you. All right, I'm just going to I'm just going to put my hand right here on your knee. Is that okay? I'm going to pray for you, okay? In the name of Jesus, I speak blessings on these two children. May they grow in you, Lord. May they become everything that their parents dream for them and more. May the path in life intersect with your destiny. May they be healthy and strong. I speak blessings over mom and dad to make true arrows, pull the bow all the way back and aim it properly. And we speak blessings over this family in Jesus' name. Hey, I wonder, can I get a can I get a fist bump? Can I get one of those? Of course. There we go. All right, good. Thanks. Lovely. Wonderful. Okay, let's see who we got here. How about Well, let's go over here. Is that all right? Grace. May Lerma, where's great? Okay, there. Oh, coming with the. There we go, Grace. We'll have to get her Bible. Yes. Hi, darling. Hi. Some of the kids love me. Some of the kids aren't too sure about me, and there some of them think I'm Jesus. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna. You want to smell the oil? Or I'm just going to put a little dab on your forehead like that, okay? okay. Just all it is. It's going to be just fine, okay? Woo. Now, i got to wipe mine in, otherwise the light will shine off and blind everybody <laughs> in the house here. And we're going, to, we're going to get a little Bible for you, too. I don't have one today, but we're going to get one for you right away, okay? All right. What's that? We have we do? this, not the Bible yet. Oh, you guys are on the spot. Nice. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Go ahead, climb in here. I just speak blessings on grace. Is it Grace or Gracie? Grace? It's okay, dear. And blessings on Grace. All right, here, look. I will, I will put my hand on, on Grandma, okay? Is that better? Okay, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll direct her path, direct her steps. May her path intersect with your destiny Lord for her and may these parents Lord God do everything in their power to raise them up in you and to make a true arrow that hits its mark hit her mark Lord show them what this little lady is supposed to become and I speak health and healing and in grace Lord God on this family in Jesus name amen amen, amen. awesome here we go there, how about that? Yeah. God bless you. Very good. Blessings to you. And then finally, we have Olivia Noel. Huddle. Huddle, where are you at? Come here, Olivia. Bring your mommy and daddy and your grandparents up here. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come <laughs> on. 
<laughs> this is such a cool thing. I love this so very much. I don't think I've held her yet. Have I? You ready to give her you ready to give her to me? There we go. Don't worry, mommy, I've done it before. Look, y'all. I, I got her. It's okay. Blessings in the name. Oh, she's she, she, she's doing just what I feel like. Blessings in the name of Jesus. Health, strength. I pray that her path intersects with your destiny. May she become all that you have created her to be, Lord. I speak blessings upon her. We thank you in Jesus' name. I'm going to give her back to you, Mama. And I want to put my hands upon you all. Oh, yes, thank you. You don't mind if I put some oil on her, do you? Thank you. Gather over here. Come over here. Matter of fact, I want the two of you to slide right in here. It's a family unit. In the name of Jesus, put my hand upon mom and daddy. Lord God, you will guide them in all of their adventures and all of their endeavors. And that they'll make a true arrow here that will hit the mark in life. Thank you for the family, for the grandparents, Lord. I just speak blessings over and the brothers. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Here. That's for you, Mama. You want me to give it to Grandma? You want to take it? Okay. All right. All right. Praise God. Let's give them all, all of them, another big hand. Beautiful. As we begin to bring this service to a close and wrap it up, I think that we can very clearly and obviously see that we have a personal responsibility, a heavenly mandate to our children to raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It is a mandate, not a suggestion. It's a commandment from the Lord. But we also have a heavenly mandate that we will find in the book of Matthew. Real quick, can you turn to Matthew? Chapter 5. You see, none of us are called to sit in the church and try to be activists from our seats. Yes, do we need to be in church? Absolutely. No, to forsake the assembling of yourselves together is the manner of some, but gather together all the more so as the day of the Lord approaches so that we can provoke one another to love and good works. It's all a part of the plan. But we depend so much that what we do in here will carry out to there, and often it doesn't carry out to there. I say this respectfully because we don't carry it outside of here. As I said, we're very good at the shouts and the amens and the rah, rah, rahs, but boy, don't, don't put me in a position to do anything about it. And yet we have a mandate in chapter 5 from our Lord where he says this in verse 13 of the fifth chapter. You are the salt of the earth, 
But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You and I have a mandate to be salt, change the environment, <coughs> bring flavor and preservation to everything around us. We have a mandate to be light so that people can see the way that they are supposed to go. But what shall we do? If our greatest battle, if this is our greatest battle, and I believe that it is, then what shall we do? Well, I want to introduce each of you to take a pledge with me. Uh, let me see, how did I do this? Where's, oh yeah, where's Miss Corey? I forgot. So you all already have, am I supposed to hand these out now? I have to find them. Corey and I made a plan a little bit early. Diane, find Miss Corey for me, please. Thank you. So I want to read a little bit. There, there is a, fan, a pamphlet that is, uh, I believe the ushers are going to be standing by on your way out to get one of these if you want it. Corey, I can't remember our plan. What were we going to do with these? Now? Okay, ushers, if you all want to go ahead and just hand these out to everyone. That's all right, go ahead. I'm not giving you the choice to raise your hand to decide whether you want one or not. I'm just, they have an instruction to give one to everybody. Should be enough. I think I made 120 of them. They're going, it's a lot easier to pass an offering basket than to hand these papers out. We're going to do this in just a minute. And on your way out, there'll be some ushers that are going to be standing by with this brochure, of which I'm going to walk us through a little bit of this brochure to help you understand why this is something that you can, this is something that you can do to change the course of action, I believe, for our nation. If enough voices are heard, that's what it takes in America, the voice of the people. You might say, well, the voice of the people don't get a voice anymore. That's because a lot of us have sat by quietly. You want to let your voice be heard? Then make your voice shout. Okay? We are connected with, I should say, I am connected with Reverend Mike Smith, who is the founder of, and leader of an organization called We the County. And I am going in lock, stock, and barrel toward this end. And God has also put an, another mandate upon Reverend Smith's life, and it has to do with protecting God's children as God has begun to focus him in on this. Let me read just a couple of excerpts from this brochure, and uh, then we're going to... It's my hope and goal that we'll all take this pledge together... And then you can walk it out. There's a way to walk this out after you leave here. Can I get a witness? The pledge is I will protect God's children. There's an attack on God's children to destroy their innocence, identity, morality, peace of mind, gender, 
cohesiveness with others, emotional well-being, relationship with their parents and the family unit. They are being groomed sexually, opening the door for pedophiles. Child abuse of this magnitude constitutes crimes against humanity. Sexual indoctrination, grooming our children for pedophiles through social media, movies, supposed sex education, books, community mental health, and other organizations is child abuse. Showing young children many years before puberty pictures of people engaged in sexual activity plants a seed of sex in their little minds that cannot be undone. Sexual indoctrination is child abuse as pedophiles fight to remove the age of consent. That's what's happening. They're, they're, they're trying to actually change that name from pedophile to minor attracted. I'm not making stuff up, y'all. I'm not making stuff up. We can sit quietly in our church, and you'll, I'll tell you what will take over. The enemy will take over. Or we can do something. Then there's gender confusion. To support the narrative that a boy can be a girl or a girl can be a boy is a lie. You cannot change the chromosomes of a person. They either have XX for female or XY for male. This creates in the child a world of make-believe, void of reality, causing the child confusion and can lead to depression, which leads to suicide. And that, my friends, constitutes child abuse. Are you ready for this? Species confusion. To support the narrative that encourages children to identify as a furry, which is an animal such as a cat, allowing them in school to purr, meow, and defecate in a litter box not only violates health codes, it violates the dignity of a human being and is child abuse. Our children are not animals. This is happening. This is, this isn't, this is not conspiracy theory. This is happening. You might say, well, not here, little old Alma. Careful. Lifetime of drugs. Once a child starts hormonal blockers and other life-altering, gender-affirming drugs, which, by the way, is being put into law that you as a parent don't have a voice in. What Governor Whitmer, who is being groomed for a potential candidate for president, what she is wanting to do in our state is, is vile. I didn't say she was vile. But what she is propagating with this agenda, this woke agenda in our, in our state is a global plan. To support the narrative, oh wait, I did that, lifetime of drugs. Once a child starts on hormonal blockers and other life-altering, gender-affirming drugs, they will continue for life. Medical professionals do not know the long-term effects of these substances, and this is child abuse. And the idea that they can do it without you knowing can't believe it taught to lie to parents children who love excuse me children who have parents who want them to wait until they are older to undergo these procedures are taught to lie to their parents teaching children to lie to their parents breaking down the trust between them and destroying the family unit which will cause multiple problems and is child abuse separation from parents Laws are being introduced, and I have copies of those laws, and I did some back vetting and, in, and research. I don't bring nothing to the pulpit that I have not researched thoroughly. 
Laws are being introduced to remove children from parents who refuse to go along with the lie of gender affirmation. Taking children from parents who stand for scientific truth, refusing to lie is child abuse. We realize that taking children away from their parents without constitutional due process violates the people's constitutional, constitutionally guaranteed right against unlawful searches and seizures. They're breaking the law. Multiple personalities. Gender pronouns like they and them are suggestive of multiple personalities which can lead to mental instability. This is child abuse. Multiple personality disorders are often formed in children who are sexually abused as a way to cope. Body mutilations. When a young boy is chemically and physically fixed, I'll use that word. It is painful and permanent. When a young girl has a double mastectomy, she, has, she is scarred physically and emotionally for life. These body mutilations are child abuse. Race shaming. Teaching our children that because of the color of their skin, they are bad. An oppressor need to pay restitution and are less than others, no matter how you can manipulate the wording, is critical race theory and is child abuse. This is a violation of Article 8, Section 2 of the Michigan Constitution, where it specifically declares every school district shall provide for the education of its pupils without discrimination to its religion, creed, race, color, or national origin. I'll let you read the rest on yours, but the, God's children aren't for sale. And what it, what it, takes, what it takes is people that will stand up and say, I'm not going to do that. So you have in your hands a paper that has the pledge on it. Now, I can't force you. Don't intend to force you. I'm not a bully preacher. I don't do that. But if you're willing to take this pledge with me, would you stand to your feet, please? I'm not having anybody take note of who's not standing. It's okay. But if you're willing to take this pledge with me, rise to your feet, please. Okay. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Do we have this? No, we don't have this. Let's do... You got this picture? Can you put this picture up there? Pastor's slide. You find it? Okay. All right. So... We're going to do this here, and it's going to kind of happen corporately here together. And you know where your voice is heard? Here. And so when you pick this up, there's going to be a way for you to go to a website, which I have done by either using the QR code or typing in the wethecounty.org and getting for yourself a certificate. When you do this yourself, then you are putting your name out there. And all we, all we the county needs is a multitude of names to turn in to the legislatures and the representatives to say we stand for change on this. Nothing happens because we, 
you're just taking a personal pledge together, but your voice isn't getting out of here just because we do this. Your voice gets out of here when you go online and sign up for the pledge and make your own certificate if you want one. I didn't need the certificate, but I wanted it to be here to show you that I've made the decision. So we're going to say this pledge together. Are you ready? I pledge I will protect God's children. I will affirm God's truth. He made them male and female in His image. Each one is unique and beautiful. I will affirm biologically false pronouns or child abuse. I will affirm God's love for all children. I will affirm my love for every child regardless of their gender identity or sexual status. You might say, well, that's kind of dramatic, Pastor Rick. You may be seated. No, this is the real deal, folks. This is happening. And I'm not satisfied with just having church. I've tried very hard all the years that I've been here now, to, going on 12, to, do, to, do, to, to have you not just have church, but be the church. To not just come in here and have yourself a great time, but to go out there and expose the light of Jesus Christ and tell the truth. In love. No, I'm not going to take any comments right now. You can talk to me later. Thank you. In love, but nonetheless to tell the truth. So I'm going to encourage you as you leave today, grab one of these flyers. Grab one of these brochures. The pledge is on it. And if you feel so inclined, you feel you're prompted to do so, go online as I have and sign your name, uh, sign in as one who has taken the pledge. And it's like signing, uh, what are those things they send out when they're trying to get people to, huh? Petitions. It's like signing a petition and your voice will, will be heard. I've actually, I've actually not just signed myself up, I signed Resurrection Life Church Mid-Michigan up, Okay. Now, I know that's risky, but if we're not willing to take a risk for our children, what are we willing to take a risk for? Huh? And there's a couple, there's just a few of these cards out there. I can get more where you can be reminded about it. You can go, do you still have that image up there? Can you put it back up, please? Maybe it's on. Uh, oh, yeah, never mind. It's actually on the uh, insert, the, the website and everything. Okay, so all the information that you need to go from here and do something, don't just let this be an event that happened in the Sunday morning church service. He who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin, Scripture says. We are compelled, obligated, I believe, to do something about this. Can I get a witness? Can I get a better witness? I know I often bring the radical things, but I, and, but I believe that you trust me enough by now to know that I would not bring something like this if I did not feel compelled in my spirit to do so. I don't, I don't just bring clever things to rouse the crowd. I feel very passionate and strong about this, and I'm joining in ministry with Mike Smith, the uh, Bronze Wall uh, 
the we the county, sharing all of it. I'm all in. God is speaking to my heart about that, as God is also having destiny for me to connect with a prayer initiative in Michigan and potentially be a leader of a region around here of spiritual authority uh, to take back our nation. Can I, can I get a witness from somebody? Before we leave, I never, it's about five minutes till. We're all good, so just hang tight, just for a couple minutes, because I, I don't ever want to leave a, a service without giving people an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into their life. So I want to do that now. We need the help of the Lord to do this. We need the help of the Lord to see these things through. There's no doubt about it. Everything that we are and everything that we have are found in him. In fact, the Bible teaches us in the book of Colossians that all things are held together by Jesus Christ. We need Jesus. The authority that I spoke of earlier is only found in him. You need Jesus. He secured this authority at the cross of Calvary for us. And I know this, Jesus, and this may sound cliche, <coughs> Jesus loves all the little children. Can I get a witness? And you know what? He loves you, too. He absolutely adores you. So before we leave today, I want us to say a prayer together. Everybody in this room, I want us to say this prayer together and pray with me. Whether or not you've ever prayed uh, in a church, what people might call the sinner's prayer, we're all going to pray this together today. And here's the question, though. Are you ready to surrender your life to Christ? Are you ready to give your life away? Are you ready to accept doing things God's way instead of just being right? Will you allow God to lead your life into truth? And will you stand up for that truth? Will you allow that truth to change your life? Here's what I want to do. I want you to allow me to agree with you today as we pray this simple prayer. And if you'll do that, if you're willing to get real with God, I promise you, he will get real with you. You can count on it. So we're going to pray this prayer today. The stakes are high. It's heaven or hell. We have to make a decision. Who are we going to live for? God, the enemy, or self? And we have to make a decision that we're going to do it lock, stock, and barrel, not just part, part way, but all of the way. Would you stand with me? Everyone, please stand. And we're going to say this prayer together. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and just say this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. So I receive it right here, right now. Thank you for saving me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Shout amen. Now, if you said that prayer and you're serious about it, I want you to let one of us know because we want to pray with you and help you along this path of discipleship. I pray that you've been blessed today. I know that you have been challenged today. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, I appreciate you. I love you. Let's go home now and or uh, later on, whenever you want to take some look at this stuff online, I encourage you to do so. Don't just believe it because I said it. Go vet it. Ooh, that, 
That worked out pretty good. Don't just believe it because I said it. Go vet it. All right. I like that. Very good. <laughs> I'll speak the blessings of the Lord on you. I pray that you find him everywhere you turn, whether you're going forward or whether you're going backward, right or left, that you run into Jesus every time. For those of you who said this prayer, and it became a first-time event for you, we're believing in God's best for you. I pray that the peace of the Lord pursue you, and you slow down just long enough to let it catch you. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. We'll see you Wednesday night. Don't forget to sign up for the Spaghetti and Sermon. It's going to be an awesome time together.